As uh, I had a, and I love, I, I really enjoy technology when it works. But when it doesn't, you just want to throw everything in the trash. So I had my message yesterday all pretty much all lined out, you know, just gearing to wrap up the little last little closing kind of conclusion things about the message. And uh, my computer just shut down. It went black. I'm like, what in the world? So I figured, okay, I didn't have the battery, the plug, it hadn't plugged in, so the battery, you know, but, you know, it's supposed to auto-save. So I go into, to my, from my room to my desk and um, go to open it. And I can see the file, but it just won't open the file. And everywhere I tried for an hour with every, every solution I could find online to get it back open, and it wouldn't open the file. So I lost my whole message. So I had to try to restart it today. So y'all pray for me. A little more fervently than you normally do. A little more for I know y'all do all the time, but just add a little extra oomph. Like, mm, Lord, stop by, Lord. And I know when I feel my helper coming on. <laughs> Praise God. All right. So open your Bibles to John chapter 16, please. John chapter 16. I'm just grateful to have my brother Warren. And sister-in-law Izell with us today, amen. Good to see y'all. They've been in town for a week, and they um, moved a lot of their uh, possessions in, over to Lakeland uh, last week. And um, they're going to be probably moving here in about three weeks, I guess, maybe, or less. The house is about 90% done, and they're moving everything down, amen. Well, I guess, though, the 18th, you said, right? Right, but you moved down back down to Florida. You coming back down to Florida the next day? Yeah, so May 20th or so, or so you'll be down back down here for good. And you know it's funny how God God is, has a sense of humor because y'all are, you know, of course in Ohio, he gave y'all one little last snow here a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Make sure y'all really appreciate Florida. <laughs> Amen. We're certainly glad to have you uh, with us today. Amen. All right, John 16, verse 21. Let me know when you get there by saying amen. amen. So, me, you got to follow me today closely because I couldn't even send you anything. John 16 and verse 21. You have it. Let's read it all together. Ready? Read. A woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. For joy that a human being has been born into the world. Today I want to talk on this subject, never abort your dreams. Never abort your dreams. Father, I ask you today to guide me, direct my thoughts, refresh me on all the things that I'd already heard from you, Things that I'd already seen, refresh me, Lord, today. In fact, give me new things. I ask for divine utterance today. Give me utterance to utter things that I have not thought about, have not seen, have not heard. Let revelation flow freely today. I pray for your anointing to be heavy upon me today. 
and upon your people as we engage in this time in the word of God. I pray that God, that as the word is anointed, we are anointed along with the word, that this spiritual transaction will bring benefit and profit to all of our lives. And I pray, Father, that every hindering force from the enemy is stopped, that there's a five-mile bloodline around this place, that angels are protecting this atmosphere, that the word can flow freely and be unhindered, unchecked by any outside force, that the word have first course and free place in this room today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. amen and amen. All right, you may be seated today. Never abort your dreams. This past week, there was a leaked draft from the United States Supreme Court. The Supreme Court makes, it's the highest court of our land, and they make rulings uh, that set the course of our nation. And this particular week, there was a draft that was leaked. I mentioned it to you Wednesday night, but I want to use that as our, our lead-in today because that draft that was leaked revealed that our government, or our Supreme Court rather, they are planning to, they have decided to overturn Roe versus Wade. Those of you who are old enough to remember, I don't remember when it happened. I was only two years old back then, but as a youngster, I learned about Roe v. Wade, that that was the Supreme Court ruling that made abortion legal across the United States of America. And so what they have done, they have already decided, and it's going to come out officially by June or by the early part of July, that that uh, ruling will be overturned. After, all, after just shy of 50 years... It'll be overturned. Are you happy about that today? Now, that ruling that they're making will not ban abortion. It does not ban abortion. What it does is it puts the governance of abortion back on the state level where it should have been in the first place. Where it should have been in the first place. We are the United States. The way our government is supposed to be set up, states run states. The government is, federal government is not supposed to be overreaching into the states. <laughs> A class of civics would do y'all some good. But that's overreach. You got it? So what it does, it returns those decisions, those rulings back to the state level. Okay? Now, what's happened, I find it ironic, perhaps, that this was leaked on the week leading up to Mother's Day. It's just interesting to me that it was leaked on the week leading up to Mother's Day, which created this dichotomy in America. That on the one hand, you have people who are now, who this week are celebrating the joys of motherhood. On the other hand, you have people who are Crying out for the right to not be mothers. I don't know if y'all have seen it. There are people protesting all across America. For the right to not be mothers. Well, they're saying, no, it's, it's pro-choice. Pro I have a right to my body. How about protest for the right to not be pregnant in the first place? Just, just, just don't get pregnant. There's all kind of avenues that you can take to just not get pregnant. One of them is abstinence. 
is what Paul said, to, nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife. So wait until you're a wife, and then it doesn't matter. Just look down. You don't have to look at me if you don't want to look at me. So people are not protesting against being pregnant. They're protesting against for the right to not be mothers. And what they don't understand is that the moment you became pregnant, you became a mother. I wish I had a few more Pentecostal people in here today. People are <laughs> fighting for the right to end maternity. Now what I find interesting is that a great mass of those people are this week praising their own mothers. That's the whole dichotomy of the Warren, is that here they're praising their own mothers. I want to thank God for my mama. She's soul was good. My mom was so good. She brought me into this earth and she took care of me. She raised me and mom was so good. And yet at the same time, on the other side of your face, while you're praising on one side, you're protesting from the other side. The right to end motherhood. It's not, it's not pro-choice. It's to end motherhood. Because the moment you're pregnant, you're a mother. I know y'all don't like this in this liberal church. But the moment you are pregnant, you are a, the instant, the instant you are pregnant. That means the night before you got a shower, you already pregnant. You're a mother. Not when the test came back positive. The moment. You just don't know it. You just don't know it. And so, and so people are protesting for that right to end what is one of the most precious gifts that God has given to become a mother. Many people see children as an inconvenience. Many people see children as imposition. People see children as an intrusion into their lives. And so they see preborns as lifeless lumps of cells. That's what people stand up in our, in our House of Representatives and our Senate when they give their speeches defending abortion is they say these are just lifeless lumps of cells. It's just cells. These aren't real babies. These aren't real people yet. They're just lumps of cells. And <laughs> uh, praise God. When you see that, you have a twisted Perspective on life. They are not lifeless lumps of cells. God told Jeremiah, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you and I called you by name. I ordained you as a prophet to the nations before you were Formed. So before you even became that lump of cells, I knew you. So it is a, an erroneous argument to state that a child in the womb at any stage 
is lifeless. And I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm really, I'm really, I'm really upset at the Black Lives Matter movement. Who viciously defends abortion. Yet abortion has its greatest impact on black lives. Something's wrong. I shared with you the other night, 79% of all the Planned Parenthood clinics are in minority, predominantly black neighborhoods. 79%. That's strategic. Now, I'm not here to preach about abortion. I'm here to preach about your dreams. But I want you to see that God has given us something on the inside. What they don't see about these lumps of cells is that they are gifts from God with dreams and bright futures. And you and I gladly welcome the responsibility. I said you and I gladly welcome the responsibility. We gladly welcome the joy in seeing those children become all they, that they can be. I can barely express to you the joy I felt this weekend in watching two of our daughters both graduate at various levels from college. And that joy that just, I remember them from the day they were born. But the, from the day I found out that my wife was pregnant, their whole lives were ahead. That there are things that God deposited on the inside of them that is my responsibility to help bring that, those things to pass. And there are things that God has planted on the inside of every one of us, male or female. There are dreams, there are futures that God has given. God says in Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, I know the thoughts I think towards you. Thoughts, thoughts of, of good, not of evil, to give you a hope and a future. So God has a future that he's planted on the inside of you. There are God dreams that he has to activate on the inside of us. That the devil wants us to abort. And we're here to make sure that we don't abort our dreams. Can you say amen? amen. In Psalm 127 verse 3, the Bible says children are a blessing, a heritage in the, in the New King James. The CEV says children are a blessing and a gift from the Lord. How many of y'all know that? Children are a let me just throw this out here. For all the ones who think that these babies are just lumps of cells, ask that to any mother who's ever experienced a miscarriage. Just ask any mother who's ever gone through the pain and the sorrow and the anguish of, the, of a miscarriage if that was just a lump of cells to her. lump of cells hallelujah so children they are a blessing and a gift from the Lord and I want to show you that when you have a child on the inside of you who we're going to denote today as dreams there will be sorrow there will be pressure. There will be problems. <laughs> there will be ang uh, uh, anguish. But they are still gifts. 
Any mama today who's having a good day is going to tell you it wasn't easy raising those babies. Do I have any mamas who testify today? It wasn't easy raising those children. They gave you some days that you didn't sleep all night. Some days you had to run out to the school and you didn't plan on going to the school that day. Some days you had to, you had to put your ugly face on with them. Because these children, as beautiful as they are when they're born, they somehow know how to get ugly on you. Sometimes they say things. Sometimes they do things. Sometimes they, they just think things. And you know what they're thinking. Did, did you? They look at you in certain ways. You know. And it takes everything in you to not kill them when you're disciplining them. I was born to a crazy mama. I've told you, my mama was, my mama was half crazy. And I don't mean that in an in a, you know, insane asylum way. I mean, she was crazy about me. And I was going to do whatever it took to keep me from going down the wrong road. One of the reasons I excelled so much in school is because one day I thought I was going to skip school. Went to the bus stop, but plan, not, didn't plan on getting on the bus. And somehow my brothers found out. And here come my brother William to the bus stop. Hey, mama said, you don't have to go to school today. I thought, boy, praise God, I don't have to go to school today. Yeah, she said, you don't have to go. Come on, come on home. I didn't know what I was walking into. Mama got me home, and she sat down. She sat, are we going to talk? No, we're not going to talk. She put my head between her knees and went to town. But I did, in school, I did good in school from then on out. I never skipped a day. I, I became a senior in high school, and people had senior skip day. I didn't skip. And by that time, my mom was in heaven. She's already moved to heaven. I still didn't skip. I, I didn't skip just on GP. I'm not skipping school with my mama because she might send somebody to come get me. I don't know. <laughs> so my point is, there will be trouble. There will be sorrow. There will be adversity. There will be struggles. There will be angu anguish in just bringing a child into the world, let alone once they're here. But you don't quit and throw in the towel just because of a problem. And when people choose the termination route, the abortion route, it's because all they foresee is the problems. All they foresee is the inconvenience. All they foresee is the imposition. All they foresee is I can't go where I want to go. I can't hang out with my girls no more. I can't go to school. I can't finish. Oh, can't finish school. We saw a lady yesterday at St. Pete College graduation, 86 years old, just got her bachelor's degree. 86 years old? It's never too late. Tell your neighbor, it's never too late. So there will be things that you have to deal with, but that's what it takes to bring forth what's on the inside of you. And every one of us, God has put something on the inside of us. Can you say amen? amen. Just as God plants children in the natural wounds, wombs, he plants visions and dreams 
and our spirits. You remember uh, Jacob. Jacob in uh, Genesis 31 described a dream that he had. And we saw in Genesis 30 where he had, uh, he had speckled and these spotted in various uh, sheep and lambs and so forth that belonged to his father, father-in-law Laban. But God was showing Jacob something about his life. God already told him he was going to make him great when he left the house back in Genesis 28 that his father Isaac laid hands on put the blessing on him. The blessing is going to make him rich and had no sorrow with it. Well, he, had, he was living through 21 years of sorrow. But the dream had not died. The blessing had not fell in his life. And when the time came, he said, it's time for me to go and establish my own. God gave him a, a God dream. And in this God dream, God showed him how to set things up to bring wealth. And what happened in the next chapter, everybody said that all of a sudden he's taking all of Laban's wealth. It, it wasn't that he stole it, took it. God set him up with it because God showed him something. Then his favorite son, Joseph, y'all remember Joseph, his son? Joseph, his son, he had a dream. We call it a God dream. At 17 years old, he dreamed a dream and he saw all his brothers and his, his family bowing down to him. They told, he told the dream and they, they despised him. They hated him even more. But he dreamed another dream, which means God reiterated the dream. There are things that God shows you that when you tell folk, they will not agree, they will not like it. What God will do is show it to you again. Because he didn't show it to you for them, he showed it to you for you. He showed, come on, help me out. He's showing you a glimpse of your future. He's showing you a glimpse of the success he has for you. He's showing you a glimpse of what somebody behind you has prayed for you about. And you have a glorious future. And so he'll show you a dream to give you an idea. And that dream, when it comes, it makes a mark on your spirit. And even though uh, Joseph went through some hard times, thrown into a pit, he was going to be killed, but his brother Reuben saved his life. Thrown into a pit, then sold off as a slave. Ended up in Egypt. Ended up in Egypt, in, in Potiphar's house, as a slave. But the dream was still there. And then when part of his wife came along with those, you know, advances because, you know, he's a good looking fellow like me. And, 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 and she kept trying to come on to him. And he stood. He stood. Because the dream is driving him. He's not going to dishonor God. Not going to dishonor his master Potiphar and not dishonor the dream that God put on the inside of him. And because of that, he got these trumped up charges. He ends up in prison. Y'all know the story, don't you? Here it is if you don't know it. He ends up in prison. And in prison, this dream is still keeping him alive. Because while everybody else is looking sad, he looks around and said, everybody, why y'all looking so sad? Now he's in the same prison as they are. And he said, why y'all looking so sad? He's not sad because the dream is still churning on the inside. And eventually he gets out of that prison, ends up in Pharaoh's house next to Pharaoh, interprets Pharaoh's dream, and then he gets elevated. All of a sudden, that dream that he had seen many years ago begins to just unfold right before his eyes. And the Bible says in Psalm 107 that until the word of the Lord came, until his dream, the work in the past, the word of the Lord tested him. 
which means until the time came of manifestation, until the time came for him to bring it forth, he went through some testing, some hardship. What was it all about? The hardship came from the enemy to get him to abort the dream. See, because the enemy does not matter. He does not care whether you abort in the first week, the first trimester, or late term. People in the abortion fight today are fighting even to late term where you can, you know, it's, it's, it's by, by, by 16 weeks, where by 15 weeks we're talking about here in Florida and many other states. But if you can see something, you can, you know, wow, okay. Okay, I see the little thing, look at that, look at that. By late term, you know everything. You know, you know your boy or girl. You know everything. They're even fighting for the fact that if a child, if a baby survives the abortion, because you know there are babies that survive abortion, that you can kill it on the table. This is what they're fighting for, to not be mothers. It's just so easy. Just don't get pregnant. Sit on a block of ice and just chill. That's the easiest way to do it. But people are fighting for that because the devil doesn't care how early or how late it happens as long as it happens. Y'all missed that. The devil doesn't care how early or how late it happens as long as it happens. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter to him how early he cuts off your dream or how late he cuts off your dream. It doesn't matter matter to him if your dream is going to manifest the next day. See, you don't know you don't know when it's going to manifest. But the devil in the spirit realm gets to sin and notice, okay, I've, I've seen this before. And somebody gets this close. Somebody's held on this long. It's going to be right around the corner. They're about to bring something forth and I got to get them to abort that dream because if they can bring that dream into the earth, if they can bring that dream to pass, I'm cooked. Y'all don't. Do I have anybody here with a God dream in here? Help me out now. That if you can bring forth what God put on the inside of you, the, the devil's goose is cooked. He knows you become a threat, and that dream becomes a threat to his kingdom. First of all, you're going to testify. You're going to glorify God for all he has done. And you're going to get somebody else to magnify the Lord with you and exalt his name together. Then that dream is going to glorify God as long as it, as it exists. So he, has, he must stop you and me before we could ever bring that dream to pass in our lives. Do y'all see this? This is making sense to anybody in this place today. All right, now, so Joseph, with his dream, there was a birthing time for that dream. But until then, he had a lot of trouble. But he never aborted his dream. Now, let's look at John 16, our main text. And in this particular chapter, this passage, Jesus is warning and preparing his disciples for his death and his resurrection. Announcing to him that to them that he's going to be leaving. He had talked in chapter 14 and 15 about him leaving and uh, the comfort of coming, the Holy Ghost. And he's trying to teach them and just train them and get them ready. And over here in this 16th chapter, in the, I want to start at verse 16. 
He says, and notice the, the heading, if you have a Bible uh, with the headings on it, some of them, uh, says sorrow will turn to joy. That's, that's my, my particular publisher. Verse 16 says, a little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me because I go to the Father. So he's alluding one to his uh, death and then to his resurrection. A little while you will not see me, then a little while and you will see me or you'll see me again. So I'm coming back. But I want you to see that prophetically this is for us that we're still in that little while now that we don't see him. Ever since he was raised from the dead, ever since he ascended to the Father, we don't see him. That's what the Bible says, having not seen him, you yet believe. Right? So even though we don't see him, we believe, but there's going to come a time in a little while that we will see him again. So he's talking about here his death and resurrection, but also alluding prophetically to the time we're living in where we don't see him now, but we will see him again. That makes sense, everybody? He says, verse 17, then some of his, of his disciples said among themselves, what is this that he says to us, a little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me, and because I go to the Father. They said, therefore, what is this that he says a little while? We do not know what he's saying. We don't know what he's saying. We, we don't understand. Remember, they're not yet filled with the Holy Ghost. He already told them there's some things that he want to tell them that they can't bear. In fact, verse 12, he talks about that. There's some things you can't bear right now. But when the Holy Ghost comes, he'll reveal these things to you. Okay? Now, verse 19. Now, Jesus knew that they desired to ask him, and he said to them, Are you inquiring among yourselves about what I said? A little while, and you will not see me. And again a little while, and you will see me. Verse 20. Most assuredly, I say to you that you will weep and lament. But the world will rejoice. So notice, while we are weeping and lamenting, the world is rejoicing. They're, there's, they're, they are thinking that they've won. They are thinking that we got rid of him. All the devils in hell are rejoicing when they crucified the Lord, Jesus Christ. They thought we got him dead to rights. They didn't know he was going to get back up. So the world today thinks that Jesus Christ is, is gone. In fact, they, they, the more pressure that is put on the church to silence and squeeze the church out of society, the happier they get. They want the church out of the schools. They want church out of government. They want church out of media. They want church out of the arts. They want Christ out of everything. And the more they get him out, the happier they are. But they don't know that it's all going to flip. All right? Now he says, but the world will rejoice. He says, and you will be sorrowful. But your sorrow will be turned into joy. So whatever sorrow you're going through now, he says, is going to be turned into joy. There's going to be a turnaround. Y'all see that? So we see he's illustrating to us that there's a, there's a coming time when everything's going to turn around. Those of us who've gone through the sorrow, now it doesn't mean you're sad. It's talking about you're dealing with the anguish that comes from this waiting. The anguish that comes from persecution and tribulation. Don't be sad in this time. You got it? The sorrow is talking about all the pains that you're going through. Waiting for him to return. But it says your sorrow will be turned to joy. Now watch. Verse 21 now, Jesus now pops in this little picture. Talked about that in our teaching class this morning. He pops in a little picture, a parable of sorts, to illustrate the point. 
And he uses the picture of a mother. He says a woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to a child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being, or King James says a man child, has been born into the world. Now, he says a woman, verse 21, a woman when she is in labor. Everybody say a woman. A woman. I just think it's interesting that the world, people here in America have a hard time right now defining a woman. A young lady was nominated to be a, the next Supreme Court justice here coming up in June. And uh, she was asked before the panel of uh, inquisitors, you know, hey, uh, can you please define what is a woman? And this woman who has her Juris Doctorate, her Juris Doctorate, she has a law degree. She's practiced law for decades on the highest levels and about to be appointed to the Supreme Court, the highest, highest bench in the land. And she says she can't, she doesn't know how to define a woman. Now I'm just thinking, uh, what, how, how are we going to elevate you to the highest court and you say you can't define what a woman is? Her excuse was I'm not a biologist. Now let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not a meteorologist either. But but I know rain when I see rain. I have no aspiration of being a weatherman, but I know, matter of fact, I can tell you when it's about to rain. You can smell it, you can sense it, you can see the clouds. And if I tell you put on a, a raincoat because it's going to rain, you don't ask me, are you a meteorologist, pastor? There, there are things that indicate yes. the weather. Just like there are things that indicate what a woman is. Yes. I wish I had some men who could testify today. I, every one of y'all men, y'all know what a woman looks like, right? Y'all know what a woman is. I'm glad I know what a woman is. Some, some of these folk will fool you out here. You got to make sure you know what a woman is now. I know what a woman is. You better know, you better know there's some signs, there's some indicators, there's some natural things that tell you what, what a woman is. You look up and her, that her Adam's apple is bigger than yours, you just... Back it up, back it up, back it up, back it up. <laughs> I'm just saying, you just, you just, you, they're natural things. But somehow the most intelligent People in our nation somehow have lost understanding of what a woman is. And they want to now, now all of a sudden though, when the abortion fight is back at the forefront, now they want to defend women's rights. I thought you didn't know what a woman was. Make up your mind. That's the spirit of error. That's the confusion that's in the world, in the earth today. Jesus said, he didn't say.
say a person when they're in labor. He said a woman. That word woman comes from the Greek word gune. It's spelled G-Y-N-E. Y'all women know what I'm talking about. It's spelled G-Y-N-E. Pronounced gune. But it's where you get the word gynecology or gynecologist. Now, I've been, I've been on this planet 50 years, and in all my life, I've never been asked to go. We need, Pastor, we need, we need to refer you to a gynecologist. No, why? What? What's wrong with you? Is you crazy? A gynecologist? Never in my life. I don't care if you had a man who was a little, you know, he, you know what, you know what I'm saying? He, he, never, he would never get a referral to a gynecologist. Because it, does, it doesn't work. That's, it's gyna means woman. All right, come back, Pastor. Okay, all right, I'm coming back. I, I just think this ought to be plain because Jesus said that a woman, when she is in labor, He points out those who go into labor. All right. Let me just, that was just a side note. Everybody say side note. But it says a woman when she is in labor has sorrow because her hour has come. Now, she can't be ever get in labor if she's not pregnant. She has to be pregnant. With natural pregnancy, eggs are fertilized and activated through interaction with seed. I say it again. Natural pregnancy, eggs are fertilized and activated. Now, they're already eggs. Am I right about it? They're eggs, whether they're fertilized or not, they are eggs. But nothing happens with those eggs or any of those eggs until it gets fertilized or activated by a seed. Now that's natural. So I'm talking today for all of us that we are spiritual people and therefore when God puts dreams and visions in us, we are spiritually impregnated. Now, I know you men have to adjust yourselves and try to just kind of work with me on this. You men, because we don't like talking about being pregnant. I don't enjoy it either. But I'm just telling you, here's the reality. That, that in our, as spirit men, what happens is we have, uh, y'all just, hang, hang on. Spiritual eggs. Y'all just hang on now. Which means there are thoughts and there are desires that are in us that we think sometimes just came from us but the Bible says in Psalm 37 verse 4 that if you delight yourself in the Lord in the Lord he will give you the desires of your heart which means he will put desires in there and you'll start desiring things certain ways you'll start desiring certain things that you don't know where those desires come, come from Some, it seems so natural but it's a God desire he, put it, he puts in you however it's just a thought it's just a desire until it interacts with seed that's why thank you Holy Ghost 
You have to get in the presence of a good church and some good word and some good faith and some good environment because when you get around rhema word, the seed is the word of God. And that seed that you hear when it interacts with the, with the eggs that are in your spirit, it activates a dream. It activates a vision. It activates your destiny. It activates your future. You gotta get around the word, ladies and gentlemen. Because you are born with purpose. You are born with potential. Every egg that a woman has is potential. Potential. Yet every month she sheds potential. I would like all the transgender men to understand that. You cannot shed potential like a woman can. And every woman that somehow thinks she's a man, nature has a way of reminding you, you is a woman. You shed potential. But if those eggs ever interact with a seed, what was only potential now becomes something that's real now becomes something that's going to produce something. And when you're in this kind of church, around these kind of men and women of God, they speak the rhema word of God. It is a living, active, powerful word of God that when it hits your potential, it hits your thoughts. Something goes, oh my God. You may not yell it out loud, but you realize I'm pregnant. I came here with potential, but now I'm leaving here pregnant. I'm leaving here because there's something that's gotten stirred up. That I begin to see thoughts as not just a lump of thoughts. That God has created this train of thought in my mind because all my life, he's actually been leading me down this road. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. So God, your whole life has been directing you with little thoughts and little dreams. And some of those dreams you just cast them aside and God said, no, 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 no. Hold on to that. Hold on to that. You need that. And little thoughts and little experiences you've had. You've met certain people and you've been certain places and you've done certain things and you might have blown them off as just... Just coincidence, God said, baby, my son, my daughter, that was not coincidence. That was all things I was giving you to recognize the potential. And when you got around the right word, oh God, do you realize, I'm trying not to be biological on y'all, do you realize one seed can fertilize several eggs? That means when I'm preaching to you right now, I don't know who all gonna get pregnant right here. But if you got yourself positioned, if you got yourself ready, the Holy Ghost is giving you an unction right now that's impregnating you and waking you up and stirring up something on the inside of you and you realize, oh my God, I got a dream. It's more, it's bigger than just a thought. It's bigger than just a desire. 
It's a dream. It's a God dream that's been placed on the inside of me. And I must do whatever it takes to bring this dream forth. I do not want to carry this dream any longer than I'm supposed to. There's a certain time frame. There's a time of life. There's a time. There's a time. There's a time to bring forth. There's a time to be born. There's a time to be born. There's a time to bring forth something. Some of y'all carrying twins. Oh God, somebody here carrying triplets. Some of y'all got multiples on the inside. That's why you're so big. That's why so much pressure. That's why so much pain. That's why so much discomfort. You ain't carrying one baby. You ain't carrying no little tiny baby. You're carrying a whole group of babies that God has put. Somebody shout, I have a dream. And I will not abort my dream. God activates this destiny in your life, this dream in your life, something that you've, you've seen. Some of y'all, God has activated a business dream. You thought you just liked to dress up, but no, you got to right here and learn. No, it wasn't just about dressing up. It's God activating a, a business dream on the inside of you. You didn't even realize you was pregnant. You didn't realize that you're carrying something so precious. You don't know why. It seemed like life was all right before I got saved and before I came to this whole church. Like I got to this whole church, it seemed like all hell broke loose. Yes! Because the devil, know, he don't know what you're carrying, but he knows you're carrying something. He don't know what you got, but he knows you got something. I don't know why. Seems like it's just so rough for me. Yes. You ever talk to a pregnant woman? You ever notice how everything about her life changes? Her diet change, her cravings change. You wonder why you don't want to go watch everything everybody else is watching. You you watching all these business shows. Everybody else want to watch Netflix. You watching CNBC. Well, your, your diet's changed. Your diet, you, 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 you crave uh, something a little different. My, my wife, when she was pregnant with Olivia, I remember she craved uh, uh, Slurpees from 7-Eleven. It was bad. It was so bad that I had to get out of bed. Why does 7-Eleven have to stay open 24 hours, Lord? Why? 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 Because I'd have to get out of bed to go to get her a start because if not, I wasn't going to sleep anyhow. I might as well get up. Word to all you fathers, you might as well get up. You're not going to sleep anyhow. And I had to get up and keep, go, go get her slurpees. I mean, this thing was so strong on her. When Olivia was born, she was born 7 pounds, 11 ounces. That's no joke. We went to 7-Eleven so much, she was born 7 pounds, 11 ounces. Am I, am I kidding? That girl was built by Slurpee. 
Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, precious Holy Ghost. Thank you, precious Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. It, is, it affects your sleep pattern. It affects how comfortable and uncomfortable you may be just trying to find a comfortable place to rest. Like I can't get rest because there's something that's growing on the inside of you. And for some of you, you've had dreams growing on the inside of you for years. And it, it took a while for you to even recognize you were pregnant. Do you know there are people who are, they, they have a baby and didn't know they were pregnant. It's happened. I've heard. I, I, well, I don't believe that. Well, I don't know. I'm, I wasn't there. I just know they say they were pregnant, had a baby, but they didn't know they were pregnant the whole time that it came down to deliver. The water broke. Oh, Lord, what, what was that? But I'm going to tell you, it don't work that way in the spirit. In the spirit, when you're pregnant, you know you're pregnant. Because everything about your cravings, everything about your sleep, everything about your prayer life, everything about your dreams changes. Your shopping habits change. Whereas you used to shop for just yourself, now you find yourself picking up little onesies. You're looking at cribs, you're looking at, you know, all the little strollers, everything like that. You used to just shop exclusively for yourself. But now you're shopping for this thing that you don't even know what it looks like. Eyes have not seen. Ears have not heard. Neither has it entered into the heart of men the things that God has prepared for those who love him. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9. But verse 10 says, but he has revealed them these things to us by his spirit. So what God does, you know how y'all when, you, when you're pregnant you go to the, uh, the doctor, the obstetrician, the OB, GYN and they show you a picture and when they show you that picture they, they call it a sonogram and that sonogram all it's doing is shooting uh, sound waves against that baby and the higher the frequency of the sound waves the more defined the picture becomes The higher the frequency of the sound waves, the more defined the picture becomes. So every time you spend time in the word of God, every time you spend time listening to the word of God, you increase your frequency of the sound waves. And the more you increase the frequency, the more defined your dream becomes. And the more you get around people who are going somewhere, the more you get around people who are doing something, the more you get around people who are believing God, the more you get around people who are expecting from God, the more defined that dream becomes on the inside of you. That's why you can't... That's why you don't hang around folk who would rather abort their baby. Because, well, it's too rough. You know, I can't, you know, if I, if I start my own business, you know, I ain't just, you know, I might fail. You don't hang around them. If I go back to school, I might not, I might, might not pass, you know, my sophomore year. Don't hang around them. Hang around folk who fully expect to finish school. Fully expect to be successful in business. 
fully expect to be successful in ministry. Fully expect to bring forth. That's why, that's why the angel, as soon as he told Mary that she was pregnant with his child, Mary got on the good foot and headed all the way over to Elizabeth's house because he told her, he said, your cousin Elizabeth, she pregnant too. What? She pregnant? Yep, she gonna bring forth in a few days. Let me get over there because I gotta get around folk who believe in miracles. Get around folk who believe in the power of God. Folk who believe in the glory of God. I gotta get around folk who believe that God can do anything. Can you shout hallelujah in this place? Everybody here got a dream. No, you got a dream. Just shout, I have a dream. There's something God has deposited on the inside of you that you're going to do whatever it takes. You, man, you, you, there's, there's some women who don't like you to even touch their belly. Everybody like to go and you know, look at it. Don't, don't touch my belly. Some, some women, they're high, some, some women uh, who, who they, 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 uh, they will not eat certain things. They will not do certain things because they don't want to do anything to harm the dream on the inside of them. We have this treasure. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We're protecting that treasure on the inside of us. The power and the glory of God and that dream is going to manifest the power and the glory of God from the inside to the outside. Y'all got a couple more minutes? Let me see what else I remember. Let me see what else I had to go back and write down here. Thank you, Holy Ghost, for giving me utterance today. When you're carrying this dream like a child, it affects everything about you. In fact, Every, every pregnant woman will tell you it reshapes you. Oh, anybody witness to that? It reshapes you. You remember when you were 16 and fine? 19 and still well built? Twenty-two and you got it popping? But you got pregnant? Oh, I'm going to come over here. And you got pregnant. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, oh, what's happening to me? What's inside you reshapes you. When you have a dream on the inside of you, it reshapes you. It'll stretch you in ways, in places. You didn't want to be stretched, but a dream on the inside will stretch you and make you do things you never thought you could do and, do, and, and, and dream things you never thought you could dream and, and learn things you never thought you could learn. You're being reshaped. You're being stretched. I'm uncomfortable, but the baby needs the room. The baby needs the room. That's why hips get water. Uh, 
Some folks say, thank you, Lord, for the water hips. They just, thank you. <laughs> but some folks don't want no hips to get wiped. But that's what it takes because you're going to bring forth what's inside of you. You got to be reshaped. And what God does for every one of us when he puts a dream on the inside of us is he starts reshaping us. Everything about our lives starts to get reconfigured. I used to do things this way, but now I must change to do things that way. And I, I used to be a, a, an impulsive person, but now I got to be a little more patient. Because I'm, God's going to bring something out of me. Thank you, Lord. Tribulation worketh patience. Tribulation worketh patience. Tribulation is trouble. In fact, if, if, if you put that scripture back up uh, where we are, John 16, 21, and it mentions these words, and they put up John 16, 21, hallelujah. He, he says, he says uh, notice these words, a woman when she is in labor, now that's, uh, you think of the negative word, labor is not a negative word. Labor simply means to, to bring forth. That's all labor means. But it says she has sorrow because her hours come, but as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish. Anguish is the Greek word thlipsis. Well, we also get mainly the word tribulation from. Lord, I'm tired of these trials and tribulations. Well, how are you going to bring anything forth? God, I don't want to go through all these tribulations. That's the only way you're going to bring something forth. Only people who don't go through tribulations are people who have nothing on the inside of them. Has anybody through, been through any tribulations in your life? Do you know why? It's because there's something on the inside that the devil's trying to kill, but God's trying to bring it forth. If you can stand the tribulation, you're going to get to the triumph. Because the Bible says that when the joy comes from that child being born, she no longer remembers the anguish. She no longer remembers that sorrow. She no longer remembers that pain. Notice it gave two negative words and one positive word, but the one positive word outweighs both negative words because the joy is more powerful than all the pain. The joy is more powerful than all the tribulation. The joy is more powerful than all the sorrow. If you can get through the tribulation, if you can get through the trouble, if you can get through the pain. Joy is going to come in the morning. Weeping indoors for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Can you say hallelujah? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo. Let me finish here. Let me finish. God Almighty. That, That word, that word sorrow is the Greek word, <laughs> let me spell it first, L-Y-P-E, but it's pronounced loopy. Okay, you didn't catch it. It's pronounced loopy. Anybody ever felt loopy? <laughs> felt like you got hit so hard you're spinning. Like life feels like it's in a tailspin. Like you just, you, just, you just can't get your bearings. Anybody ever been hit so hard by the devil at times that it's like, whoa, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. You feel loopy. I'm telling you today, get your bearings back. All you do is just get yourself in the word 
and hold on. Okay, God, I don't understand what's going on. I'm feeling loopy right now, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold on to your word. I don't understand what I'm going through right now, but God, I'm going to hold on to your word. God, I don't, I don't understand why I'm going through this much tribulation, this much trial, but God, in the midst of tribulation, I trust you, and I'm going to stand on your word. Having done all to stand, I'm going to stand there for, I'm going to stand on your word. I might feel loopy right now. I'm going through sorrow right now, but it's all going to work out for my good. It's all going to turn out for my good in the end. It's all going to turn out for my good. I'm going to bring forth this dream that God put on the inside of me. Give God a heart. Hallelujah right now. That word anguish, the Greek word thlipsis, listen to what it means. Oppressing. It means pressure. It's pressure. The devil comes to put pressure on you. To pressure you into quitting. To pressure you into throwing in the towel. To pressure you just shy of your manifestation. To pressure you well short of your manifestation. It's pressure. Metaphorically, it's oppression, affliction, tribulation, distress. Listen to me. Every God dreamer will go through pressure. Every God dreamer will go through pressure. Because Satan wants you to abort the dream. And like I told you, he doesn't care whether it's early or whether it's late term. As long as you never bring forth the dream. In Mark 4, 16 and 17. Mark 4, 16 and 17. Media, help me out. Mark 4, 16 and 17. It says, these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground. The seeds sown on stony ground. Who when they hear the word immediately receive with gladness. They're... They get pregnant. After, and they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when thlipsis comes, this pressure comes, this anguish comes, this tribulation or persecution arises. Why? For the sake of that word that's been planted on the inside of you. Immediately, they stumble. Immediately, King James says they are offended, off-ended. They, they cut it off. They cut off the dream because of tribulation. Ladies and gentlemen, the devil would have no use for bothering you if what you were carrying was not a threat to him. He would have no reason to mess with you every day you wake up if you weren't carrying something so great on the inside of you that he saw you as a threat. Every single day, every time I turn around, something. What is it now? Devil, God, what, what now? He's, he knows Something inside you is going to change the world around you. You carries of a dream. Romans 5, 3. 
Romans 5, 3. Not only that, but we also glory in tribulation knowing that tribulation produces perseverance or patience. 2 Corinthians 4, 17. 2 Corinthians 4, 17. For our light affliction. That word affliction is the same Greek word, thlipsis. So we can say tribulation, pressure, this trouble, which is how long? Now when a woman, from the moment she's pregnant, which means the night or the day of, to the time that child is grown, graduated, married, have children, that pregnancy and the time of birthing in particular are so short. Those times are so short. But the devil would rather have people focus on the trouble for that short time than the joy of all the rest of the time. Because if he can get us focused on that, we will abort the dream and not realize, boy, if we brought that dream to pass, it was going to change not only our lives, change the lives of those around us. But if you can withstand the pressure and the pain and the sorrow, there's a great glory coming into your life. Let's read one more scripture, please. Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, verse 1 through 3. I, I, like, I like being around dreamers. When I say dreamers, I'm not talking about people who have these man-made pipe dreams. I mean something God put inside you, and you're, you're attentive to it. I, I can't do anything to corrupt the dream. I, the places I can't go, things I can't do, people I can't hang around because I don't want to corrupt the dream. You ever seen an athlete that has a dream? And how hard they work. How hard they discipline themselves to achieve a dream. To stand on the top of a podium one day receiving a gold medal in their sport. They dream their whole lives. People who dream of getting married and how they they arrange their whole lives around that dream of getting married or having some particular career. Everything about them. It doesn't matter if it took them, man, I ain't going to school for 10 years, but that guy, that lady who dreams of being a doctor, that's all I've ever dreamed about. 10 years is, is nothing to them. It's nothing to them. Y'all catch what I say? It's, it's, it seems like something to us because that's not our dream. I'm saying, don't you ever be guilty of being a dream killer for somebody else. Don't you ever kill anybody else's dream. That's a lot of work. It ain't your work. They're not asking you to do anything. If they want to go to school 10 years, let them go to school 10 years. If they want to run at 5 a.m. and you're going to sleep, you let them run at 5 a.m. You just sleep. 
if they want to work hard, if I told, told my wife, I was, I was reading the other day in Proverbs, and I, I got these two words, hustle flow. And I was like, I, I don't know if that's a song or something. I might have heard a song called hustle flow. But I was like, man, that's some hustle flow right there in that word. Everybody say hustle flow. In other words, the Bible says in Proverbs 5, consider the ant, you slugger. You like to all this sleep, little slumber, little float on the hands of sleep, you're going to be poor. You need a little hustle flow in your life. Yeah, six, six. You need, you need a little hustle flow. And I'm, I'm not telling you to become a hustler, but you need a little bit of hustle flow in your life. Now, whatever dream you have, it ought to, it ought to awaken the hustle inside you. And tell me you got a dream and you're not working on it. You're not letting God show you what to do. That one who has a dream of having their own business. And they decide they're going to eat tuna fish and crackers for 17 months. I can't eat like that. Yeah, but you don't have a dream of having your own business. They're going to do whatever it takes. Y'all ain't saying nothing. You ain't you had enough ramen noodles? Yeah, but I'm, 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 I got a dream. It's, whatever, it's some, that dream motivates you. And in spite of all the tribulation around you, the dream inside keeps you going and you refuse to abort it. You refuse to stop it. You refuse to cut it off. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, look at what the Bible says about Jesus. It says, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, these witnesses who live in the dream, they're all faith people in heaven. Let us lay aside. He's, these are the barriers that block our dreams. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us or besets us. Get us off base. And let us run with endurance. And what does endurance mean? It means you're going to outlast some stuff. It means your body's not going to feel like it. When you're tired and exerting yourself, you're pushing pain out of your body. I remember, I think it's Deacon Gershman had a shirt years ago. I remember seeing this shirt. I, I think that was you said, pain is weakness leaving your body. When you're working out, when you feel, oh, this hurt, it's, yeah, that's weakness leaving. So there's going to be some endurance because you have some pressure against you. So let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now, who set that race before you? God. When he gave you that dream. Now, watch verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, here's our prime example. The author and finisher of our faith, who what? For the, joy. For the what now? Joy. The joy that was set before him. He saw something. And because of what he saw, he endured the cross, despised the shame, and now he got the prize. He has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So for you to get your dream, you're going to have to endure some crosses, despise some shame, so you can finally receive and manifest your dream. Look at verse 3. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged. That's the devil's goal, is to get you to become weary and discouraged in your soul. 
Now your spirit man is where you got the pregnancy. Your spirit knows God can and will do this. Your spirit knows that he's put himself inside you and now you can do this. But your soul is the battleground. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. I get tired. I get weary. I'm so discouraged. It's taking too long. Frustrated. And when that happens in your soul, you're more likely to abort, to terminate that dream. And God doesn't want us doing that. Some of you, God, I, I believe if you're born again, every one of us, every one of us, God has been working with us our whole lives to get us to fulfill a dream. Because it's, ladies and gentlemen, it's not your dream. It's actually his dream. That's why I kept calling it a God dream. It's his dream that he gave you the dream. God knew what he was going to do with Joseph. He put the dream inside Joseph. In fact, when you read in Psalm 107 about God, how that word tested Joseph, the Bible says that God sent a man ahead of them. That whole, that whole section in Psalm 107 is about how God was going to bless his children and bring them out of Egypt. And he says he sent a man ahead of them. That was Joseph. He put a dream inside Joseph so Joseph would be the forerunner and go ahead of the people to, to, to set them up, to preserve them in a time of famine. So the dream God has, he put inside you so he can get you in places and in position to take care of a whole lot of people. It's not just your dream. It's his dream. Before you abort that dream, you ought to at least ask the Father. See, let, let the Father have a say-so. But when you bring forth that dream, and now you're walking in it, enjoying it, and God's doing supernatural things that you never thought you could do, all the pain and all the anguish all the sorrow you've ever experienced is going to your mind. And you'll enjoy that during the rest of your life. Yes, Do y'all receive that? Yes. Did that help anybody today? Yes. Will you stand on your feet and give God a praise if you receive that word today? Come on, let's let the Lord know you appreciate. Let Lord, the Lord know you appreciate divine utterance today from heaven. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. For the utterance today to minister your word to your people. Thank you, Father, that God, you have trusted us with your dreams, your desires. You said if we delight ourselves in you, you give us the desire things. You give us the desires that are in our hearts. God, these desires, they're your desires for us. Things you want to do in us, for us, and through us. So God, we are thankful that we can be trusted with such great opportunities, such great um, mandates on our lives even yes. 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 to bring forth in the earth. 
God, I'm praying today a special strength for every person who right now is in the thick of a battle, right now in the thick of tribulation, testing and trials all around them, and they're trying to figure out why, why am I going through all this? God, I pray that you will remind them of every word that has been preached today, that God, that tribulation is coming to get them off-ended, to get them to stumble, to get them to quit, to get them to end that thing that you put on the inside of them. But God, I pray that you remind them of what Jesus Christ did, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, he despised the shame. He now has the prize. He now is enjoying the prize of being seated right next to you. And God, I pray that God, your people, that they will get stronger. We will all get stronger each and every day. Your word says that God, the righteous, shall hold on to his way. And he that has clean hands will get stronger and stronger. So God, help us to get stronger and stronger every day. That as the pressure begins to mount, as the pain even begins to mount, as the anguish begins to increase, that we'll know that we're getting closer and closer and closer like a woman in travail to that time of birthing. You said in the book of Isaiah that you will not bring to the time of birthing and not cause the birthing to happen. You will not let us get close and not bring forth the manifestation. You're the God who caused it to start in the first place and you're the God who will finish the job. And so, God, I pray a very special strength upon every person in the sound of my voice, those that are here, those that are online, those that are watching the rebroadcast, that, God, they'll be strengthened and encouraged today through this word to bring forth the special gifts you deposit on the inside of us. We give you praise and glory and all the honor for today. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. If you agree, shout amen. amen. Put those hands together.